This episode is a rebroadcast of a Facebook Live event. To see Martha and Nellie's live show, please follow their Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Bubble Lounge Club. That's facebook.com backslash Bubble Lounge Club. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Bubble Lounge. I'm Martha Jackson. And I'm Nellie Shudo. And this week we have some exciting news that we're so happy to talk about. Restaurants have gone from 25% occupancy to now 50% occupancy. (laughs) Bars are now open at 25% occupancy, and we are absolutely thrilled. And today joining us is Kirsten Reddig, who is a Park City's mom and an author for People Newspapers and also has a blog, The Kickshaw Papers. She has over 30 years of restaurant experience. So we are going to speak to her about restaurants today. And Kristen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is so fun. I'm a big fan. Oh, we love to hear that. Uh, We're a big fan of yours, actually. And Kristen, I just have to say, so I've been doing my nightly bike rides. And last night, my husband and I went to Penny Pomodoro in Snyder Plaza to sit outside where a woman promptly sneezed on me. But at any rate, (laughs) and I was like, hello. She's like, it's just allergies. I was like, you can cover your face. But my point is, I noticed that it was already kind of at 50%. What do you, what do you notice? Like, it didn't really feel 25%-ish. You know, I think as long as they're open, I think a lot of restaurants realize that there's no, there's not a huge amount of operational difference between 25 and 50. If you're really adhering to the social distancing guidelines, it's impossible to make money at at 25%. It's hard to make money at 50%. And really there's not the capacity in these restaurants. Some restaurants have a very large footprint like Hero or Jackson um, Beer Garden in downtown. Huge footprint, probably get more people in there. So 25% is going to feel empty. 50% still going to feel empty. It's really hard to do that. I think operators are recognizing that there's some pent up demand and they're letting maybe a few more people in than technically allowed. But a lot of times, and what I'm recognizing here is loyalty is the name of the game. I think throughout the course of this situation, maybe you weren't trying new restaurants. Maybe you were saying, I know Janice at Perigia. I know Nikki at Asian Mint. I want to go support them. And so I'm, I'm suggesting that maybe some of um, the folks that were at Pemini Pomodoro last night are regulars and everybody kind of knew everybody else. And so there's a little bit of a comfort level with that. Well, and actually just to clarify it, we were the last to arrive and there was a table with some chairs leaned in and I uh-huh. did ask the maitre d', can we sit outside? And he was like, do you want to? And I said, yes. So it wasn't, you know, we, we were pushing the limit too. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't sneeze on anybody. We were pushing the limit. But you know, it was still it was six feet apart. They all wore masks and it was great to be in a local watering hole having a meal served to me (laughs) and you didn't have to do dishes exactly (laughs) i know i am so tired of doing dishes i mean we load the the dishwasher every single day kristen you mentioned something a minute ago you were talking about how the size of restaurants and just the how people would fill up that space and i'm curious because you wrote an amazing piece last week for people newspapers about one of nelly and i's favorite places the Charles, and you talked a little bit about how it is a smaller space and the tables are intentionally close together. And I'm just curious how he's going to make that work out. Well, he, 
whatever he told me regarding that was sort of this idea of maybe we'll do it this way. Maybe we will do it that way. Um, so I don't want to say for sure, but as you probably know, uh, Barb Charles opened in December and that's a nice space. And I can imagine a scenario in which Bar Charles will be converted into a dining room to allow some of the guests that would typically be in the main dining room of the Charles to move into that space. And there's a little bit more distance between them. So maybe not so much of the bar um, with that, maybe an extension of the restaurant with the full menu. That actually makes sense. Mm -hmm. It really does. And it could just be the special room, you know, come to the speakeasy room or whatever to have dinner. No, it's sexy. I mean, those both of the 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 C brothers are brilliant, and their designs are really incredible. And there's a lot of feel to that. And so, wherever you go, you're going to want to be in one one of the two rooms. So you're right. You could make it more special. It could be in the back room, but I can see that being the scenario in which the Charles would open. Um, right now, they're still doing just takeout and delivery, and um, and their wine sales. Well, um, I have to say, you and I met before. We met at that incredible dinner out on a farm uh, with Curtis Stone and Toby Archibald as chefs. That was one of the best nights I've ever had. In ever. It was a perfect night. Profound Microfarms is the supplier to some of the best restaurants in the city for their organic um, greens and grasses and flowers. And that was a really special night. It was, and I miss events like that. Martha, don't you miss events? Like, I miss going to an event. When's yeah, that going I really do. You know, you and I had gone to the gone to the preview party for Mad Hatter's Ball. We were all dressed up in our fancy dresses, and we had no idea that that was going to be one of the last times we got to go out in public, but we had a really good time that night. <laughs> we did. We were well prepared. We were as prepared as you could be. <laughs> we went out with a bang. Yeah. And listen, you know, y'all can wear that outfit again because nobody remembers that outfit and so much has happened since then. So go ahead, you know, bring it out again. <laughs> I agree with you. Uh, but you know what I mean about events. But I have to say, I was just in Los Angeles. I had to renew my driver's license. And um, I had failed the written test, so I had to go back. And the guy didn't make me take it again, which was amazing. Like, only in L.A., only in California do they make you take the written test again. And it had questions on it like, um, like if you're arrested for vandalism, how long do you have to wait till you get your license back? Like, <laughs> well, the last time I was arrested for vandalism, oh, no, no, that was criminal trespassing. Never mind. Yeah, you're like, oh, sorry, that wasn't vandalism. Was it? Um, but my point is, LA was so empty. Like, literally, I forget how lucky we are and uh, that we're a smaller community, that we have not been hit as hard. I forget how lucky we are that even now at 25% and tomorrow at 50%, how lucky we are with gyms open. I went to the gym today at our, our country club. I went to the gym. There were three people in there. You have to make an appointment. But, you know, it's just nice to see that restaurants are open because I literally couldn't eat anywhere in Los Angeles. I couldn't do anything. And it reminded me of that feeling we all had when this first happened. And it looked like the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. Truly. And I'm, I'm a mask wearer. I'll, I'll just say that. I'm also hearing impaired. I'm deaf in one ear. Um, and so I rely on lip reading. 
And this has been tricky for, for anyone with hearing um, uh, impairments, but you know, I shop at Central Market and I'm a big fan and there's been some funny sort of, I'm not getting, like you're not understanding me, I'm not understanding you. And I was trying to make some vegetable meatballs and I was asking somebody about the vegetables and meatballs and, and that person thought I said testicles. And I'm like, no, 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 not, not testicles, not even meatballs, but vegetable balls. It testicles. was testicles. Exactly. That, and I was like, that, that, that's not in my vocabulary. No, no, not really, not something I say on the reg. But, but that's where I'm like, okay, you know, let's get working on that vaccine so there's no more testicular you know, misunderstandings. So, and it's, yeah. So um, I'm ready for bars to open up safely. I'm looking forward to that this weekend. It's, it's going to be a fun weekend. Um, just so happens that my birthday is Monday. Ooh, Memorial yeah. Day. Memorial Day, yes. So um, I'll be doing some barbecue. Now, can I ask you any news on, um, on Georgie? So, uh, well, what, what many of us know is um, Georgie is um, consolidated. There are three restaurants up on Knox, um, La Biblioque, and Georgie is all operating out of the Georgie kitchen. Um, the, their takeout menu is, is, it looks to me that it reflects largely of um, La Biblioque items. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've heard that there's a chef change there. Mm-hmm. Uh, has anyone heard anything about that? Uh, at Georgie? Yeah. Yes, I had heard. I had heard from one of the chefs that there was a chef change. Okay, that's all I, I can heard, say. <laughs> okay, yeah, I've, I've heard a little bit about that. Um, but the uh, they had their Mother's Day um, takeaway, and it was really good. And the Cajun chicken was great. They have a lobster salad. So I do not know when they are opening to the public. I haven't heard. Bodie is, I know she listens um, to this podcast, but I haven't heard from them yet um, on when they're opening. But in the meantime, those are the best croissants in town yes. that you can get there from Equinox. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a beautiful restaurant. And I, I hope I'm looking forward to all of those places and the mansion and Georgie and all of those restaurants that so many people rely on for special occasion. You know what? Every day is a special occasion. And once we get out of this, my next door neighbor is 4417 and I'm 4415 Edmondson. We're like, Hey, this is cell number 4417 checking in. Once we get out of these cells, we we've got to get out there and I want to see y'all and have some champagne and, Cheers and, and real life, like real life. Oh, exactly. <laughs> right. Well, Kristen, I was curious. I've talked to a whole lot of people. Some people are comfortable going to restaurants. A lot of people still don't want to go. But give us kind mm-hmm. of a peace of mind of what restaurants you've been to that you feel like are really doing things well and doing things right as far as keeping their employees safe and their customers safe. I have to say, um, the restaurants that I've seen do take out extremely well is Asian Mint, Parigi, Homewood, um, Jalisco Norte. They are amazing. The the whole drive-up process, Dive has been excellent. Um, You know, Macero, they really never missed a beat. Um, Restaurants that are accustomed to doing takeout, 
they they really they this was their moment to shine and i actually did a survey um of members of la dame d'escoffier who many of whom own restaurants like dive like asia mint like grigi some of them have actually their margins have increased because their labor is down and they figured out efficiencies and takeout. Now that doesn't mean that's not what they want. They want their doors open. Janice yeah. is going to be opening up her patio very soon. Um, it, in fact, I think she already has and Nikki hasn't opened yet, but you know, they are very excited about doing that, but they're still first and foremost protecting the employee family. That's what I heard as I want to protect my employees, protect their brands and protect their regular guests. So Machalau um, and Lucia are actually back open. Um, you know, they were closed. They shut down for a long time. They are now open to do takeout. Um, Sachet had been closed for a long time. They do an incredible job. They are very buttoned up. The dining room is not open yet, but they will open soon. Partenope, um, downtown, they have been closed for a very long time. They just opened up with takeout. So they've, they've really had time to think about how they're, operations are going to be impacted and they're doing it well. I have not actually been to a restaurant to eat in yet. Well, I, I have a, a guess. I could be wrong, but it seems to me that the restaurants that were primarily takeout anyway survived this well. And the, I don't want to say the high-end restaurants, but the on the way to the high-end restaurants, I feel like it was the middle guys who got cut out. Because they didn't, you know what I mean? Like people were still going to go to Amico Cena. There's still anybody who orders takeout for Bouquet or Georgie is willing to spend a lot of money on their takeout meal. You know, it's some of the places I saw, like, like, um, I don't know, just little, little places that I thought, oh, they're just, they're not going to make it. Yeah. Um, you know, I owned restaurants and it's extremely it's hard. It's very hard, not profitable. We closed our restaurants a couple of years ago and we, we lost a lot of money. Our investors lost, lost money. Um, and so the takeout component has been a big part of um, restaurants for a long time. Third party deliveries have, have really in the last five years come on strong. I, I, I literally saw a, a third party delivery guy coming out of our restaurant, drop a bag, the fries fell out, he scooped up the fries, put them back in the bag and tried to get in his car. And we're like, no, 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 no. So when, when the restaurants figured that out three years ago, how to do delivery, how to work with third party providers and have their own service um, employees deliver like Sue's actually, Sue's is a very good example of that. Now Gilbert, is reopened Sue's. That's the one on Midway near that central market. He did an excellent job in takeout. In fact, I would have to say that was the best takeout I've had this whole time. They had never done takeout before and it was really hard for them to get over that obstacle. But he's doing it great and his dining room is open in this massive patio. That's a and great that, place. To go. That's a hidden gem. That restaurant's a hidden gem because it's not, you don't, you don't, not a lot of people, it's not like on Inwood. It's not, it's not in an obvious place, but it's really very special. Kristen, so can you, Kristen, you were talking about third-party delivery companies. Can you talk to us a little bit about how it's important to use whichever delivery company that that specific restaurant that you're ordering from uses because they take a significant percentage of the sales and they're really hurting the restaurant business. I'm so glad you mentioned that, Martha. It is remarkable um, how 
not profitable it is for restaurants to use third-party delivery you may get a little bit more volume but you completely lose your margin it's in, it's almost a wash and you also lose your delivery you know you lose that relationship and so i have since i've been writing about this and i did a social distancing dining guide for people newspapers i i mentioned the delivery companies that are specific to that restaurant but i also said please try to pick it up yourself or to use their own delivery mechanism because that they need that and and um, I've, I've been on a lot of webinars since this whole thing started specific to the restaurant industry and what we are going to see is forever for of the servers that we all know and love at some of our favorite establishments, they may become delivery people. And so it's your server that's coming to your house, Nellie, and bringing you your dinner. And, and that relationship is still there. It's just different. It's, it's just, you know, you see them in their vehicle and they come to your house, but it's still that sort of trusted service relationship. Yeah, it's funny, you bringing this up makes me think about one of my first jobs when I moved to LA, and I'm talking like 20 plus years ago, was a food delivery service. And I had like a headset on, and I sat at the computer, and I was really not very computer literate. It was, and basically, they took 30%. My point was, it was 30% of the deliveries, but there was, was no such thing, because remember, LA is not New York, you know, it's very spread out, so it was the real delivery service, kind of like a grub hub but I can't remember the name of it, but uh, it was pretty much ahead of its time, but they took a lot of money away from the restaurants. Yeah, and, there, and there's risk associated with that with your brand. Now, packaging is really good, Zalot Pizza, and they just opened a satellite kitchen on Lemon Avenue, and I think it's really the best takeout in town. Um, they are very careful about, they, they, do, they do takeout very well, and they've got a sealed box and all that, so whether it's third-party delivery or you pick up your pizza, it's, it's very much a sealed product, and there's, it's tamper-proof, from my estimation. Well, and we live in a very small neighborhood. It's really not a big, all the restaurants you just mentioned, would take you like 10 minutes to go pick it up. So, you, you know, if you think about it, sometimes I'm like, Chris, I'll say to my husband, like, we can just go pick it up. Like, we're going to wait an hour and 15 minutes. We can drive 10 minutes and get it. Uh, and it's just, it's easier. Like you said, it's fresh. It's not sitting in the car for a long time. Yeah. And just remember that you're taking away from the restaurant when you use some of those delivery companies. Yeah. So, Kristen, for many years, I have said, because... One of the biggest sources of stress within my family is where to go to eat. And mm -hmm. we're out driving around and we can't agree on a place. And I've said, you know what? I am going to put in my notes section of my phone, like every category you can think of, date night, with kids, drinks with the girls, every little category. So I want to hear some of your favorite restaurants for like different things. Uh, date night. Let's start with that. You know, date night is, um, I really love sachet. And, um, you know, with the meze plates, there's a little bit of sharing going on. My husband and I always ride the bus, and that's kind of sexy. Parigi is also a great date night place. Um, it's also girls, great girls night out place. I got to tell you, I love the mansion. It's my mansion family. That is a formal date night. Can't do that all the time. Um, girls night out, gosh, Parigi is great for, for nice elevated cuisine. Um, the Henry is really nice for, for girls night out too. Can I just uh, interject and say, Parisi is absolutely great for girls' night. And when I say girls' night, I mean girls' night. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want to tell you guys, I want to tell you a quick funny story. 
I want to tell you a funny story about Parisi. So one of the first dates Sean took me on, and this was 100 years ago, of course, was to Parisi. And his friend worked in the restaurant business and had called ahead and told the chef, look out for my friend. Please go out there and go talk to him. So the chef came out and pretended as if he and Sean were good buddies to, in order to impress me. <laughs> That's adorable. Oh, my gosh. Okay, that, that was one of my first dates in Dallas when we moved when, – we were commuting when Chris was here and commuting back to LA and we went there and I was so happy because it was full of gay men. And I was like, Oh my people. <laughs> and, um, and we sat next to this table who was talking to me and I had a fight with Chris and they were like, Oh honey, he is just, <laughs> they were basically like, you know, interjecting the whole time. And so the one guy introduced himself to me and I, I go, hi, I'm Nellie. And he goes, my name's big girl. <laughs> oh my like gosh a and his name was big girl i was like i'll never forget it that was my first parisian experience <laughs> oh my gosh but don't you know you walk in there and you know if you're looking good and people turn their head like the guests in there they turn your head and you get that nod of approval you're like okay good it's like audience sometimes <laughs> exactly <laughs> i know you're you're in and so where do you like to take your kids Martha, do you tell me? Oh my gosh, we we are in such a rut. Pene Pomodoro and Mika Cena has always been our go-tos, but my kids both hate Mexican food. They get so angry whenever we bring it up. So usually, just Italian anywhere is a good compromise. Everyone can find something that they like there. We go to R and D. That's our favorite restaurant for family. I mean, everybody loves the press sushi, uh, and we just love the way it looks. That's our big family restaurant, and. Yeah. I guess Macero and a little Cucina. And honestly, sometimes when I'm feeling really nostalgic, I like to go to Bandito's and just remember my little, you know? <laughs> you know, okay. Flower Child and True Food Kitchen have really good family things too. I don't know if those are in your lineup, but those are good, healthy, kind of fun finger foods for kids. Yeah, yeah. I love True Food too. Uh, yeah. yeah, True Food has that awesome patio. I love their patio. So it's coming up on Memorial Weekend, and I'm curious if you have any recommendations for restaurants that you think would be fun to either visit or to bring home for our backyard gatherings. You know, barbecue, it's hard to go wrong. Terry Black's Barbecue has been really great about this. They have got their, their, their to-go down. They've got a great, a lot of different drinks and a lot of food. Um, you know, Pecan Lodge for barbecue, those are two of the absolute bests that I would, I would suggest, um, you know, don't cook burgers at home or fries, although Maple and Motor is really good and their fries and your tater tots travel a little bit. I would really hardcore go to the barbecue places here because this is what they're geared up for. Their potato salads are great. I'm a big sides person. Mm -hmm. So those are my two recommendations. Well, Martha had me to her house and had Terry Black's barbecue, which was delicious. And okay. I interviewed them for CBS. So um, I'll, I'll tell you, they're going to do great because they had a lot of takeout and it was healthy-ish, you know, because you know what I'm saying, it wasn't like just all pizza. Uh, it's barbecue, it's meat and vegetables, et cetera. But um, they have that big, beautiful space, which is just lends, it's open, it lends itself to being in this kind of quarantine. You know, 50%, they could, you know, they could be full. It was my first time to go there in LA when I went to go pick up the, the order. And that place is incredible. I literally can't wait to go there in person. Mm -hmm. And they have that great outside bar. I'm just saying it's really going to lend itself to, to a smaller capacity because they have the space. 
So Kristen, you've been in the restaurant business for years and you've done such a good transition uh, into a new arena within the restaurant world. So tell us about that. So I currently, I guess for the last couple of years, I started writing um, a blog called the Kickshaw Papers. And Kickshaw is an old word, comes from a French word called Calcachou. If you would go to a party, there's a buffet, lots of different bites on there. And they were choices, Calcachou, which Americanized became Kickshaw. And I'm an old school girl. I love paper and ink and all that. So I started the Kickshaw Papers. And it's a love language to food. And I've been writing stories and profiles about chefs and restaurants, the story behind the story. Um, so a year ago, People Newspapers picked me up as a columnist. Um, so I've been writing for them. And what, I'm, what I really want to focus on is restaurants rebuilding their brands, connecting with their, their guests, creating this loyalty, not through points programs, but through storytelling and, and really intimate connection um, uh, of an emotional connection with with between diners, guests, and, and restaurants. So that's what I've been doing. Um, I'm at kickshawpapers.com, and my Instagram is kickshawpapers. Um, so I'm still writing for people, newspapers, and working with a lot of restaurants on a pro bono basis, because I know everyone's kind of struggling right now, but not for long. Your, pa your passion for restaurants definitely shows through. Well, that's been another episode of The Bubble Lounge. I'm Martha Jackson. And I'm Millie Shudo, and we'll catch you next time.